everyone, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, Year 2, where this year we're reading through and studying the entire New Testament, one chapter at a time. Thanks again for joining us in discovering God's plan and your part in it. What would Jesus have to say about divorce? Are you allowed to get divorced? Should you get divorced? Um, this is going to be an interesting passage to talk about. Today we are in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus, from the top, is talking about how we handle divorce. We already know that the Pharisees are constantly trying to catch Jesus in some kind of fault uh, where they can embarrass him or accuse him and eventually charge him. And so they come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, what do you think about divorce? Do you think this is okay or not? Well, I guess my mind instantly goes because I, I start thinking of like some divorce people I know. And I think about their situations. I think about like all of the pieces that go into it. Um, and what is super sad, I think a lot of times is this thing that Jesus says about, well, like Moses made this, he kind of made this little clause for it because you were not willing to unharden your hearts. Mm -hmm. Like your unwillingness is going to cause more sin. Um, so I think this it ties into what we talked about yesterday with forgiveness. And it also like, I don't know, it just, it, it changes your perspective when you think all the way back, like someone had to make some kind of choice to fall into some kind of sin. And then post that there was like no forgiveness. There was no, um, common ground that was sought. So like, I just, it's, it's just such a, tricky thing like reading over this day I was like oh boy here we go talking about divorce <laughs> because I feel like in today's world it's like no you are justified in how you feel and you are empowered to do what you want and you need to to follow out what you need to do that makes everything better for you and what is crazy is like that is like a complete way to look at things from the eyes and perspective of the world. And like what is so crazy is like when you take a commitment of marriage, this is a covenant that you are making with God. And so to say, I feel empowered and then break this commitment that is made between you, your spouse and God, that is no little thing. And the ramifications of divorce, it's not like this clear cut. There's always something that holds you or keeps you to that person, no matter what, whether you get remarried or you go off and live your best life, there is always something holding you to that person. And it is never just this clear cut. And I think throughout this chapter, Jesus is, his main point is like the permanence of marriage is always what he is alluding to, always. If you look at uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 5. And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. That is Jesus referring to Genesis 2, chapter 24. So he's referring all the way back to the very beginning of creation. The Pharisees are bringing like modern day issues, basically mm -hmm. saying like, how do we handle this modern day thing? And Jesus has any number of places that he can go to deal with that issue. He refers back to, to the, the very beginning, beginning yeah. at creation, the way it is meant to be. And so he says the two become one flesh. Like how can basically how can you split out one flesh? Like mm -hmm, that doesn't even mm -hmm. make sense. How can you split yourself in half? So Jesus is establishing that marriage is meant to be an irrevocable covenant that actually combines two people into one thing. So if you are currently married, God sees you as one flesh with your spouse, and it is sinful to divide that one flesh. Now, 
what the Pharisees will do then is say, well, why did Moses say uh, that you can give your wife a certificate of divorce? If this seems confusing to you, because there is like the Pharisees are aware that Moses made room for divorce. um, What you need to understand is the Pharisees are like appealing to Deuteronomy 24, where Moses lays out in like legal expectations for the community that divorce is a possible thing, and this is how you handle divorce when it happens. So the Pharisees are saying, hey, Moses made room for divorce. What do you say? So when Jesus appeals not to Moses, but to God at creation, he's, he's one saying, hey, God's ideal is that marriage is not dissolved ever. Like you are one flesh, you can't be split apart. But because human beings are sinful and constantly falling short of God's ideals, there were laws revealed in, in the law in Deuteronomy um, to figure out how to live in a community and function in a community where people are sinful. So that's why you know there, there are laws in Deuteronomy and Leviticus um, that just teach you how to handle when somebody does something wrong that doesn't mean you should do that wrong thing. So Jesus here is saying, like, marriage is not meant to be dissolved. It is meant to be a forever covenant. And when you just dissolve that covenant out of whatever, like, irreconcilable differences, um, that is not great. And that is not honoring to God. Now, I know that there are many times where it's like, oh, but I know this person and I know that person. Um, and and maybe, maybe you are that person. Like, I don't mean to be uh, confrontational towards you. I don't mean to... Um, dishonor you. I want to uphold what Jesus is teaching. And I think what Jesus is teaching here is pretty clear. And unfortunately, uh, in our culture and context, in our Western Christian world, we've become pretty cool with this stuff. And I think it actually has caused like a, a very slippery slope in the church that has led to more and more and more nonsense and false teaching because we're constantly taking hard passages where the passage actually seems pretty clear and being like, well, I don't know. And I just don't think that's helpful. I just don't think that's a positive thing. Yeah. And I think I've also, I've thought back to, to like couples that as they grow together or grow apart from one another, realize that they are on very different pages on certain things. And I think that is where like that equally yoked is so valuable and so important because I know several people, um, one who has grown up in the faith and one who completely despises God. And that like... It might seem like, well, we love each other, and that's, like, bottom line, the most important thing. And, I mean, if you truly believe that our lives are meant to glorify God and, like, I guess expand his kingdom, how is there room for that if you are unequally yoked? And I think a lot of those things that we're willing to um, kind of, like, sacrifice or, or just push off to the side, they always come back around, unfortunately, um, and really just, like, bite us in the butt. And so I really feel like this passage, although very difficult to go through, you have to go back to the very beginning. Like, what are the things that you're willing to sacrifice that are eventually going to come around to get at you? Or what are the things that you're not being honest about in your yeah. marriage? Like, there's, I feel like there's always something um, that we can, like, discredit or whatever that eventually become a big thing. There's, and then we find ourselves in these situations. There's so much that goes into this this discussion because some of the things, too, that culturally we've missed is that we we completely misrepresent what love is. Mm. Um, we constantly elevate love above commitment. Like it's like feeling above to, commitment. to be. Yeah. To be in a marriage because you're committed is like not 
honorable, but to be in a marriage because you're so loving, which is definitely like a fleeting feeling, mm-hmm. um, it, it is really difficult. And like I said, I want to recognize that I know this hits different people different ways. I know that it, it may seem very offensive to some people. That is not my intent. I want to be honorable in how we're teaching God's word as we go through it. I don't want to just misrepresent Jesus, but Jesus is saying like, hey, you should not get divorced. Um, If there is marital unfaithfulness, there's like a little bit of a window there. But even there, I think it's interesting that he elevates the, the covenant and the two becoming one flesh before he even talks about like, if there's adultery, then there's some permissibility there. Um, It, 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 we just should not, um, dissolve the importance of marriage and we should not make it easy and simple to get divorced. It has wrecked our culture. It has wrecked our people. And I think it is wreaking havoc in our churches. So I think we should take this seriously. So overall, I just feel like this part of the chapter, it's very pointed. And I think Jesus also has like a little bit of grace here at the very end um, because the disciples are just like, well, then I guess it's just better that if this is the case, that it's just better not to be married at all. Uh, But Jesus replies to them and says, well, not everybody can receive this saying, um, but only to those to whom it is given. Then he talks a little bit about eunuchs, people who have like separated themselves from sex altogether, like they are living a life of complete celibacy. I mean, eunuchs are actually people who have been, they're, they're men who have been castrated. Right. And so they, they like they have no like the the se- no sexual drive. aspect of their lives is just not present. Yeah, and yeah. there there would have been uh, eunuchs who were eunuchs because they were serving in royal contexts. There would have been eunuchs who had chosen to be eunuchs. Mm-hmm. Um, this this particular passage, one, I think it's like a, a little bit of a tricky one to understand well because there's so much cultural context that's important. Um, but it has been used to say like, well, see, you know, eunuchs, that's just like what's going on in our culture today. There's people that can choose to be a man. There's people that can choose to be a woman. That's not what Jesus is teaching. Like, it, like again, if somebody tells you that, that is total nonsense. Like what Jesus is talking about here is people who have chosen to opt out of sexual relationships, to opt out of ultimately marriage mm-hmm. to the honor of God. God yeah. And like that is not I just hate it when people use this passage as like mm-hmm. it supports mm-hmm. some kind of LGBTQ kind of situation because that's not what's going yeah, on. Right. So we move into um what is probably I think like a, a more popular story, certainly a more uh, commonly read piece than the part about eunuchs, um, <laughs> about the the rich young ruler. And the like, I think Luke calls him a rich young ruler. Matthew calls him a rich young man. Um, it's it's just a sad story to me. Mm-hmm. Like the, this guy comes up to Jesus and is like, what do I have to do to inher- inherit eternal life? Uh, Jesus gives him like basically the law. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've done all that. And then, like, the whole climax is that Jesus says, okay, uh, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the dude is like, nah, no thanks. And it's just like, ah, man, really? Like, you got a personal invitation from Jesus to follow Jesus, and you just decided that it was too much. And that makes me very sad. Mm Mm-hmm. This kind of reminds me of something we've read a couple chapters ago about the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. In verse 5, it says, Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately sprang up since they had no depth of soil. Um, But then they were scorched by the sun. This reminds me so much of this type of seed where they're like, ready to go. They're like, Jesus, what do I have to do to like give my life to you? They're so excited. How many times do we see this Mm -hmm. in like 
present day, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm on fire for God. I can't wait. And then as soon as a request comes for you to give something up in your life for the sake of Christ, it seems nearly impossible. Like, I, I could never do that. What are you talking about? And he just falls away. And I think it's so sad because there are so many things that we can also put in this same spot, whether it be possessions, uh, relationships, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. Um, that would do the exact same thing. But that that seed visual came to me immediately. It is interesting. Like essentially the way the story plays out is that he says, Hey Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then they have Mm -hmm. like quite a bit of interaction. And then Jesus essentially says, follow me. So there's like this long form answer that ends in follow me. So that remains true. Like what should we do to eternal life, to inherit eternal life? We follow Jesus. We we have faith in him. We trust him for forgiveness of our sins. We live a life obedient to his commandments mm-hmm. and we find eternal life. Unfortunately, this man, um, like it, that just seemed like too much to ask. Now there's, there's some pretty compelling cases that I've heard about this guy. Uh, one is that he actually is just trying to have Jesus like honor him in front of this giant crowd because it's obvious he has some level of affluence already because mm-hmm. he is very rich. Um, he's able to get to Jesus with like not much effort. And so it's possible that he was asking these questions to have Jesus affirm who he was in front of this crowd. And then it really throws him for a loop when Jesus yeah. is like, well, just sell all your stuff. And he's like, ah, that's too much. Not doing that. Yeah. But I, I think you're right in that this, this poor guy, like I, it does. The story makes me so sad. Like mm-hmm. this poor guy had an incredible opportunity and it turns out that his possessions were in the place of his God. Um, where he was like more concerned about what he had than what he could have in Christ. Mm-hmm. And then we come into this little section right after where Jesus is kind of like, I imagine it being like, like almost like this mentorship, this discipleship mm-hmm. mentorship where he like, they experience something and then he like, okay, it's time to huddle. Mm-hmm. And they talk a little bit about it. Like, well, just like this was so hard for that man. It's the same thing. Like a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven is just as hard as a camel trying to go through an eye of a needle. Um, And I think that, I think you have to be really careful with that because I know plenty of very well-off people that are more than willing to just give and give and give and give for the sake of the kingdom. Um, So that is something to keep in check too. But I think the heart, if the heart of a person is that I refuse to separate myself from my riches for the sake of God's kingdom... That is where we're at in this passage. That's why Jesus like, it's it's so hard. It's next to impossible. The, the disciples actually say like, oh, this is impossible. How could that even happen? Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. Mm. So I think what's interesting when it comes to money and finances, like what a what an odd episode that we're talking about <laughs> divorce first and then Unix and, and then, then finances. finances. Um, but I think it is important to recognize when we talk about finances, you are going to be in the best possible scenario When you are asking, how much can I give away to God instead of how much can I keep for myself? Mm -hmm. So this, and and that is an oversimplification, but if that is your guiding light, you are going to be much more likely to be obedient. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's way more to it. But if you are asking yourself every time you get a paycheck, man, what's the most I could give away from this check? And what's the least I could keep for myself? You are going to be in a place where you're better suited to, to serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not what saves you. Only Jesus mm-hmm, saves you. Mm-hmm. Um, but this man, Jesus says, like, hey, give away your stuff and follow me. And he's like, no, I, I can't do that. And I think many of us today feel in a, feel a very similar way. Like, mm-hmm. hey, that's just too much. Like, I just can't. Like, is 10% okay or is 12% okay? And Jesus is like, no, I would like everything. It's all mine anyway. Mm-hmm. 
Like we already believe that everything we have is because God has given it to us. So let's honor God with the gifts he has given us by using them to support what he's doing in his kingdom. Mm-hmm. So I guess your part for today, where are we going to land with this? Because it seems like there's a couple of things. I would say maybe perhaps we can land on like a super... Um, practical one with generosity. Mm -hmm. I think I automatically start thinking about in my own life. I mean, we have four kids. I don't work. Ryan is the only person who brings anything in. So sometimes it is daunting to think about, but at the same time, there's always someone who has less than I do always. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just think tangibly today, like what are some things that you can do in order to show the generosity or I guess, even be an example or model of what Jesus is requiring of us in chapter 19 in Matthew. Um, So look for those ways. Um, It can be as simple as, you know, paying for someone's gas today. It could be as simple as paying for somebody's groceries behind you um, or just giving to someone that you know is doing a really good thing for the kingdom of God. Uh, Because that $1,500, although seems critical, um, could be a super powerful blessing to someone else. So just think about those ways that you can be generous today and um, apply as much of chapter 19 as you possibly can to your life and your walk with Jesus today. We'll see you guys back tomorrow. Thanks for joining today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. As always, please consider partnering with us as we are a listener-supported podcast that we hope to continue to grow with support from listeners just like you. We've made it super easy to partner with us, and you can support us by following the link in our show notes or our description. You can support us with as little as $3 a month. Every little bit of this helps so much, and we're so thankful for your support. With that in mind, here's today's reading. Matthew chapter 19. Now when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore, a man will leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. Then children were brought to him, that he might lay hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, 
You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on the glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. Don't forget, you can find us on just about every social media platform and YouTube. Let us know what you thought of today's episode, and if you have any questions, go ahead and post them there. You can also reach out to us directly at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. As always, if you don't have a Bible, or if you'd like to use the one that we use, uh, reach out to us via email, and we'll be happy to send one to you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.